Thank you for choosing to connect with North Collins Wesleyan Church. We are a church of all ages that is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our congregation enjoys worship, fellowship, discipleship, and community outreach. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. found in North Collins, New York. The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Justin Leininger. Again, thank you for joining with us, and we hope you enjoy. Identity. The things that we allow to define us, to shape our qualities, our beliefs, our personalities, those things that make up who we are, that is our identity. And what shapes our identity is incredibly important. Through this series in the book of Judges, we've seen the incredible value of placing our identity in God, in how God sees us, in how he views us, in how he empowers us, and who he empowers us to be. So we ask one last time this morning, where is your identity found? Where is your, where is my identity found? In the book of Judges, chapters 13 to 16, we're introduced to the final judge in the book of Judges. And this is a judge who greatly struggled because of his identity, or in many ways his lack of it. And because he seemed to rarely allow his identity and what motivated his, his actions and who he was, his qualities, to be molded and shaped and to be found in God. So as we begin in Judges 13, we are told once again for the last time that Israel is in that familiar place. We're told that Israel did evil in the eyes of God. And we start with the knowledge that Israel, because of that, they have been ruled over, they've been controlled, they've been in the hands of another nation, the Philistines, for 40 years. 40 years. 40, right? That is a pretty long time, isn't it? 40 is a pretty long time, I like to think. I'm only 37 or 38, somewhere in there. I'm not exactly sure, but, but being in that ballpark, 40 years sounds like a long time. That would be my entire life plus. To have lived 40 years, you'd have to have been born in like the 70s or something. Wow, I know, that's, whew, that's like, that's way back then, right? That is way back then, wow, wow. Now, all that time, 40 years, all that time, the Israelites have been controlled by the Philistines. And this matters because if we think about it, 40 years, and for many of the Israelites, that being their entire life, or let's be honest, no matter how old you are, what your age is, 40 years of something, you get settled into that, right? 40 years of anything, you get settled into that. So we see the Israelites in this weird place where they actually aren't, specifically calling out to God for help. Scripture doesn't say that at all. We don't see them thinking that they can be different, that things could be better, that they, they should be free. In many ways, they've accepted this lot, this place in life. And so that leads us to this judge who is very unique, both in the situation that he finds himself in coming into this nation and who he is. This is probably the most popular judge, the one many of us have heard of, Samson. Many of us have heard at least something about Samson. Now, the start of Samson's life is very similar to someone else that we are familiar with, and we'll talk about in just a few weeks, Jesus Christ and his birth story, his birth narrative. Before Samson's birth, an angel, just like Jesus Christ, an angel of the Lord appears to his parents instructing Samson's parents that they will have a child. The angel, the angel is very clear. 
This child is special. He will do wonderful things and bring freedom to the Israelite people. This child is to be a Nazarite, and that means dedicated to God in certain very special ways. He shouldn't drink alcohol, he shouldn't eat anything unclean, and he shouldn't, and this is kind of the most specific one that we really know with Samson, right? He shouldn't allow his hair to be cut. He shouldn't cut his hair. If he does, he will remain special. In his case, he will have special strength. And that's how we're introduced to Samson. If we look back through history, we could probably find a lot of strong men in history, but Samson tops them all. He is who we could say easily was the strongest person strength-wise in history. And so following the angel's commands, Samson was born. Samson, which literally means, his name means light, sunny, brightness. And so to a people without hope, to a people lost in darkness, to a people so lost they've forgotten what freedom looked like, what freedom was even like, to those people a light was born. A light was born. And more than those people needed a judge, more than they needed a leader, at this point the Israelites, they needed a light. They needed a light. We see that in Samson. His life wasn't about leading armies. In fact, we don't see him lead the Israelite armies to do anything. His job wasn't about making decisions as we've seen other key judges make certain decisions and kind of roll over the people. He didn't do that. It was about reminding God's people of the incredible God that they serve, a God who wants to brighten up their lives, give them their fullest and best life. Samson's purpose, his identity, was to shine God's light. He was given incredible gifts to do just that, to shine brightly for God to a people who were lost in darkness. As we start, please hear this about your identity. You have been given gifts as well. Scripture is clear that we all have, that you have spiritual gifts, but also just gifts and opportunities and abilities in life. All of these are to be used to shine God's light. And that doesn't just mean at church. That means in your family, at your work, with everyone around you. In every moment at life, you've been given these opportunities, these gifts, these abilities to shine brightly who God is, who Jesus Christ is. We're to shine to all God's people, but also to all the people of the world. And to remind them that we have an incredible God, a God who wants to brighten their lives and give them life to the fullest. That is a part of your identity. If your identity is found in Jesus Christ, that is a part of your identity. It is who you are. You are valuable and you are gifted with the purpose to shine God's light. You are a light. You are a light. And as we recognize that, and we look at the world that we find ourselves in, the culture, the nation, the community, the families that we find ourselves in, we recognize this truth. We need lights. Just like Israel needed a light more than anything else, if we look in our honest with our world right now, we need lights. Lights that point towards God and the hope and the fulfillment that only he can bring. If we have faith in God, that has become a part of our identity, our purpose, and our quality to shine a light brightly in this world. Now, as we're introduced to Samson, here are a few things that we, we need to see in his life and we recognize about him. 
Throughout his story, God continually blesses Samson and empowers Samson. As long as he doesn't cut his hair, he has incredible strength. And early on, we see Samson, when God empowers him in a moment, we see Samson tear a lion apart with his bare hands. And so he's got that kind of supernatural strength. Samson also has faith. He believes in God. He seems to understand where his strength comes from. And although he takes that for granted and and doesn't always seem to live up to his Nazarite vows and and most specifically to all the other ones besides cutting his hair until the very end, he he doesn't seem to, to really focus on God. In fact, Samson rarely mentions God and doesn't seem to live or make decisions with God in mind. Until the end of his life, we only see Samson call out to God one time, and that is actually when he's very thirsty, and he demands that God gives him a drink. He's really thirsty, and there's nothing around to drink, and he demands that to happen, and so God brings some water out to him. And so, except for that moment, we don't see him really connect with God. In fact, we see that his decisions are very selfish, and what we see is that while Samson is a light, he seems to be shining a light for his own purposes in the world. Now, God understands that about him, and scripture actually alludes to the fact that God is still shaping Samson's selfish decisions to confront the Philistines, and God is basically using his own selfishness to still allow God's purpose and will to happen, and that is wonderfully how God works. But we are left to wonder, and it's a little bit of a theme through Samson's life because his story is confusing. Who he is and why he's doing certain things, it is confusing, but we're left to wonder with Samson, knowing that this is the strongest person that the world has ever seen. And as we're about to see, has done some amazing things. We're left to wonder what Samson could have been, what Samson could have done, and how brightly for God Samson could have shined Finally, we know that Samson seems to be intelligent. He likes riddles, but he has one large flaw. He is rash and unstable, and more than that, he is controlled by his lust. Through his interactions with three different women, Samson is brought into troubled situations. And and we should recognize this. While these women probably aren't great people, remember these troubles that Samson finds himself in, they are his fault. His decisions put him in these situations. He set himself up for these moments. The first time we connect with Samson, he is interested in marrying a Philistine woman. He sees her and likes what he sees, and that's all that matters to him. That's actually what scripture says. He sees this woman, and his, just, his mind is made up. I'm going to marry this woman. Nothing else matters. Now, his family doesn't like this union. She is a Philistine, and, and they think Samson should marry an Israelite, but, but Samson has his mind set, and so this wedding is going to happen. And so it does. And it starts with seven days of feasting. Seven days of feasting. Can you imagine being at a wedding party for seven days? A wedding party for seven days. Now, I've participated in some of your wedding parties, and they were wonderful. But besides those wedding parties, right, they're kind of the worst. Are we, can we be honest on that? Like, like, wedding parties are kind of rough. And seven days, statistically, they probably spent the first two days in that time zone where the bridal party is taking pictures and everyone else hates life, right? Like, you're left with like a few cubes of cheese and some fruit punch, and it's like, this is the worst thing ever. And, and you can imagine, that's like two days of this wedding, but there they are. 
I like to imagine maybe there's some good moments, right? Like if you're having seven days of wedding ceremony, maybe day six is just an entire cake throwing party. Like maybe, like if statistically, if you stretch that out, right, maybe there's one whole day that is just cake battle. And I could get behind that, right? I could, I could get behind those moments. But how many times would you have to listen to the chicken dance, to endless love, and to 18 different Bee Gees songs. I mean, there's a certain point where like, what I want, I want. like that would just like, you can only handle that for so long. And I know I couldn't handle it. Now, apparently in this, to help pass the time during those seven days of feasting and celebration, celebrating this marriage, Samson decides, all right, we need to do something here. And so he proposes this riddle to some of the Philistines that are around him. And, and with the riddle comes a bet. If they figure out that riddle, he is going to give them 30, um, 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothing. If they figure out the riddle, then they are going to have to give those things to Samson as well. And he thinks this is a great way for me to take advantage of this situation and to, to make some money and some situations out of this. Now, the Philistines spent days thinking about this song. They wasted countless Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson songs four days just through this moment that were wasted, and they couldn't figure out the answer to his riddle. So they decided to take a different approach. They threatened Samson's new wife, who is a Philistine, who's living among them, and they threatened her and her family, telling her that she must figure out the answer for them. And so she asked Samson, and then begins to cry day after day after day until finally on the seventh day. I can imagine during a rendition of Happy Together because probably Samson was set in a mood where he just wanted to bring happiness to his marriage, right? He just wanted this to be perfect and peaceful. He gives in and he tells her the answer to the riddle. This sets off a chain of events because the Philistines figure it out. They come to Samson. And so to get the clothing that he needs to have to fulfill his side of the bet, Samson leaves the wedding, probably during a Brian Adams song, and he goes to another Philistine community close by and kills 30 men and takes their belongings. With his marriage falling apart, he, he decides to get revenge on the Philistines who have played this trick on him, right? And so he goes out into the countryside and somehow, and this is maybe of all the strength things that he does, to me this one seems almost the hardest, he catches 300 foxes. He catches out in the countryside, he catches 300 foxes, he ties their tails together and ties to that a torch and he sets them loose into their fields and to the countryside, into all their crops and so their grain, their vineyards, their olive groves, all of it is burnt down because of these actions in this moment. Now to get back at him, the Philistines decide to get revenge and they actually go and they kill his wife and they kill her father. And so Samson further goes out and slaughters more Philistines because of this. Now this inspires war between the Philistines and the Israelites except for one problem. The Israelites, they don't want war. Again, they're 40 years, right? They're in this spot and they're they're kind of like, this is our situation, and so they don't want this. And so knowing this is coming their way and the Philistines are about to invade, the Philistines go and they capture Samson. Now I imagine they couldn't have just captured Samson if he didn't allow it, but they go to him and he doesn't want to hurt Israelites. And so he says to them, very simple, you don't kill me. I'll allow myself to be captured. You can tie me up, but you're not allowed to kill me. 
And so they agree to that bargain. We won't kill you. And so they capture him. They tie him up and they take him to the Philistines and the Philistine army. And in that moment when he arrives with the Philistines, with God's spirit again coming upon him, scripture tells us that Samson snaps his bindings. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he slays a thousand Philistine warriors there in that moment. Now a lot has happened, right? That's a lot of moments. That's a lot of things. And that is the the craziness of Samson's story because we're like almost only halfway there. Like we're not even like really through like all that is happening and it's a lot to process. And, and in many ways, we, we have to think about this to understand the clear truths that we're seeing from Samson's life. So far, these moments, who have they been about? Who have they been about? In what moment did Samson do something here for God? These moments have been about Samson. His life has been about Samson. Samson has clear gifts. He has done some beyond incredible things, miracle-sized things. But everything he does was mostly about himself. Even still, Samson doesn't appear to be happy. His life isn't full. He isn't fulfilled. None of this is great or even what we could describe as good, right? Even Samson, who is supposed to be a light, he finds himself in a dark place. Has any of this been sunny or bright? We find this truth. Samson isn't really working for God. He is working for himself. And, and while God is allowing his actions to impact and to hit the Philistines, it really shows us that Samson isn't able to enjoy all that he is doing. And we realize this. Without God, without his purpose in what we do without being in his will, without him as the driving force to our identity, to our actions, our strengths, our gifts, our opportunities, they get us nowhere. They aren't fulfilling. And in many ways, they leave us in the darkness with nothing. Samson was left here. He, he in this moment, he had done a lot, so much, God's will was still done, but because he lived for himself after all of these incredible actions that he's done, he's still left with nothing. He's left with nothing. I wonder for many of us here, how many, we, how many of us feel that way in life at times, maybe even in this moment. We are working and we are striving. We, we want to get ahead in life. We're doing all of these things for ourselves, for our future but it's getting us nowhere. We try to use our gifts, our skills, but we find ourselves coming up empty. And I think we have to ask ourselves, whose light are we shining? Whose light are we shining? Who are we making this effort for? Our identity, our fullness, our purpose is found in shining brightly for God. It's in shining brightly for God. Without God, our strength is empty. Without God, our strength is empty. Without God, the strongest man the world has ever seen, Samson, was empty. His strength without God's purpose left him with nothing. We started this message by reminding each and every one of us that that in our identity, as a part of that, we recognize we have these opportunities, these gifts, these abilities to shine them brightly for God 
But we have to recognize something in there. This whole series, this sermon series, is about helping each and every one of us find our identity. We want to help everybody to find our identity, to find our fullness, to find our fulfillment. Well, there's something that's very clear there. None of us can realize our full identity, our fullness in life, our clear purpose. None of us can find that, that fulfillment that we're looking for unless we decide to use our gifts, our abilities to shine brightly for God. And the truth is for all of us, unless we are willing to put those gifts and those abilities to work for God in our family, in our, with our friends, in our community, unless we are willing to do that, there will be a part of our identity that will always remain hidden from us. We will never reach that full fulfillment. We will never quite get there. If we live for ourselves, there's a part of us that we will never completely see. It's part of us that can only be found in serving God and shining a light brightly for him with all that we have. That is a part of where our identity is found. Now, the second time that we find Samson led into trouble is again with another lady that he sees, and he, he, that's all that he needs to know. He sees someone, and, and it leads him into this moment. We find this very quick moment where this time he finds himself, because of this relationship, trapped in another Philistine city. And so in this moment where he is trapped in a city, he he takes this decision that since he's trapped in this city and there's an army surrounding it except for the city gates which are locked in front of him, Samson walks up to the city gates and we're told that he grabs the city gates and just tears them out of the wall and out of the ground. And then he decides, well, that's not enough. And he carries the city gates off with him. These incredibly huge and, and strong city gates, he just carries them off with him. And some theologians, some historians believe he actually carried them 40 miles away to a hillside. He's just like, oh, this, this seems like a good place. I'll just put these here and carries them 40 miles away and then leaves them at this place. Now we understand this to say that Samson should be learning his lesson, right? He should be figuring things out. But because he doesn't seem to be able to do that. He's led into the worst situation of his life. We are told that Samson next falls in love with another woman. And we say falls in love in quotations, right? He falls in love with another woman. And, and we don't really believe this is love, but that's where he finds himself. And most likely this woman is another Philistine. At least she's living in Philistine territory. And her name is Delilah. And so the name Delilah has never quite been the same since. And if anyone here is named Delilah, I apologize for this Delilah who has like messed that up for you. I super, super apologize for that. But there it is. The Philistine rulers asked Delilah. They, they recognize that Samson is in love with her. And so they connect with Delilah and she is either a Philistine or living in Philistine territory. So she's connected with them. And these rulers come together and they offer her an incredibly large amount of money if she will find the secret to Samson's strength. And so, with the idea of a large amount of money, we see in Scripture three times, Delilah asked Samson for the secret to his strength. Three times he lies to her, telling her different things. If you tie me up with fresh bowstrings, if you tie me up with new ropes, if you braid my hair into the fabric of a loom, and that one's getting a little close, right? It's like, Samson, like, can you leave your hair out of these things, right? He's just, he's getting a little too close there. Three times, Samson wakes up to find the exact thing that he told her has mysteriously happened while he's asleep, and he is surrounded by Philistine soldiers. Three times, 
Samson somehow doesn't see the obvious. What? Like, well, no, you're like sharing this? Or, or he either doesn't want to believe it about Delilah, or he just doesn't want to allow this to impact his life. Three times he doesn't care. And then the fourth time comes. And the Bible tells us that in a moment of weakness, he tells her everything. And you can imagine what happened next. He wakes up the next day, his hair has been cut, and his strength is gone. The Philistines are there and they seize him. They gouge out his eyes and they take him to work in prison. And Samson, named the light, finds himself in complete darkness. Samson, named the light, finds himself in darkness. But thankfully, the story is not over. We are told in Scripture that in prison, Samson's hair began to grow. And after some time passed, all the Philistine leaders gather together. They're holding a feast in one of their temples to a false god. And as they toast to their false god, they bring Samson out and they parade him in front of everyone. And they say, look what our God has done. Those are fairly famous last words, right? Lost in darkness, Samson sees one last opportunity, maybe for the first time, to do something not for himself, but to shine God's light. He asks God one last time to give him strength. And so there in the center of the temple, supported by two central pillars, Samson flexed his strength one last time. He pushed on those pillars, and with all the Philistine rulers, 3,000 men and women Philistines, and this temple to a false god, it all came crashing down. Scripture tells us, thus Samson killed many more when he died than when he lived. Samson killed many more when he died than when he lived. But maybe for the first time, Samson truly shined brightly for God. Of all the judges, Samson's story has been the most difficult to figure out and to process through. But I think a lot of his, his truth is found in those last words of his story in Scripture. And thus, Samson killed many more when he died than when he lived. Because it gives us this resounding feeling of waste, of what could have been of a hero that never lived up to his potential. We will always be left wondering with Samson what could have been. What could he have accomplished? How could he have changed Israel's history, their feelings, their hearts for forever if he just lived for God, used his gifts for God, and not for himself? Samson's lives and opportunities, they stand in stark contrast to that other person that we celebrate whose word of their birth came by an angel, Jesus Christ, who came into this world and lived a life sacrificially for us, but most wonderfully for God. Another life who would never wasted a chance to shine all that God is and all that God and his love can do. Remember the words of Isaiah chapter 60 verses 19 and 20 and the truth of God's light. This is what it says. It says the sun will be no more your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. 
For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Samson also serves for each and every one of us as an incredible reminder that when we look back at our lives, we don't want to be left asking, what could God have done if I had just chosen to live for him? I know for myself as a parent, this is a continual question that I have between myself and God. God, what should I be doing for you right now? As I have the opportunity to impact my spouse, my children, my church, my community, God, what should I be doing right now to shine brightly for you? I know very clearly that with my children, I do not want to find myself in that day where I step back and have to realize I just should have had that conversation. I specifically don't want to find myself in that place where I step back and I say, God, I should have just prioritized you. I prioritized this and that and I made these things more important and I never allowed you to shine in my life. And now I look at my children and I recognize their priorities are this and that and it's not you, God. In my heart, that is my desire, and I hope it is the desire for each and every one of us. Know this very clearly. God is straightforward in the New Testament. Paul in his words, Jesus in his words to us, you have gifts and abilities and opportunities. You are here through conversation, through love, through care, through moments of blessing with the things that you have. You have the opportunity to change those around you by shining brightly God's light and his love. May for all of us, we not look back and say, what could have been my story if I didn't just live for me, but if I lived for God? That is the unfortunate truth of Samson, the strongest man the world has ever known. The person who who could have been a light, who should have been a light, he lived in darkness. And we will always be left wondering what could have been. May that cautionary tale impact us to where we can be open and honest and true. We don't want that to be our story. Allow us not to step away and say what could have been. The opportunities and gifts are there in your life. Will you shine your light for God? Will you shine your light for God? Father in heaven, God above, I ask that you would just bless each and every one of us with opportunities to shine brightly for you. God, may we recognize that we have gifts. May we recognize that we have strength. May we recognize that we have opportunity. May we see that we have been made by you, God, with opportunities to impress the world around us. We have the chance to shine a bright light. But God, may we be honest with ourselves. Whose light are we shining? God, whose light are we shining? God, I pray right now over the families here this morning. I pray over the individuals who influence anyone around them, God. God, I pray over the opportunities that they have to set the priorities for their families, 
to have the difficult but meaningful conversations, to use their resources, whatever they are, if they are gifts and skills and time, if they are, are things in their bank account, possessions they earn, opportunities to be open and caring, if it's just a moment, if it's that gift of being able to send someone a card or an encouragement, an email that lifts someone's day, God, we all have opportunities to shine your light brightly. God, whatever that is, I pray over the parents, the grandparents, the family members, the friends, the leaders in church and community, at work and at school. And I ask God that you would bless all of them in those opportunities before them to not waste what is before them. To recognize that they are gifted and skilled. To be uplifted in confidence because of that. But then to step forward for you and to shine your light brightly. God, may these gifts and these opportunities not go to waste. May we see what happened to Samson, and may we say that with us, even though I may not have that strength, with me, with us, it will be different. I will shine your light brightly, God. Bless us with that truth, fill us with that, and empower us, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.